Hi everyone, I'm Charlotte and I'm Gabby. And this is Trunk Talk. This is the show where we talk about all things automotive and today we are talking about a topic that I'm incredibly excited to speak on. Uh, but first things first, what car are we in? We are in a 2011 Smart 4.2 and that is about the only things you can put in this car. <laughs> Storage space? No. Cargo space? No. But there are cup holders and the seats are heated. So and there's no blind spot. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely zero blind spot. You can check your rear bumper from here. You don't have to get out and check your parking. This barely takes up a spot. But we're in this car because it's obviously the best uh, vehicle for today's topic. So what are we talking about today, Gabby? We are talking about compact cars, how they succeeded, and more so, how they failed. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So we're going to give you the brief history lesson. We're going to explain how they came into the North American market. We're going to explain what took over mm -hmm. their line in the consumer role. And then also what the future holds for these compact vehicles because we work at a dealership we do mm -hmm. work at a kia store and we've recently seen some axing to our lineup more and specifically our compact cars truly it has been heartbreaking it's been very very sad so charlotte let's take it away and let's ask the question does size matter what really happened <laughs> to compact cars? cars so i'm going to start off with a little bit of a history lesson this all kind of started in the 1950s when the volkswagen beetle was introduced now this car coming in it was different it was funky it was fresh and more importantly it was much more fuel efficient than the other vehicles that were being manufactured at that time in the north american market 1960s come around and then the 1970s that's your oil boom right or mm -hmm. not oil boom <laughs> oil crisis <laughs> So, and truly it was a crisis. Fuel was extremely expensive for the average consumer and the cars at that time weren't that efficient. The Volkswagen Beetle could only do so mm -hmm. much. Other than that, the other North American brands were not really doing too much to kind of adapt the times. Then came the Japanese four-cylinder vehicles. Woo, woo woo! So in the late 1960s, we got the Toyota Corolla, and then in the early 1970s, that's when the Civic came to town. And came to town rightfully so. Everyone welcomed it with wide open arms. The Japanese vehicles were doing fantastic. They were efficient. Still are. They still are, exactly. They're efficient, they're fun, and it's not like I'm saying a car name of the past. The Honda Civic, Civic still holds strong today. The Toyota Corolla mm -hmm. is still one of the best sellers comes as a hybrid now it's a great car but it wasn't all that good for all that long in the late i want to say 1990s and the early 2000s we started seeing a new type of vehicle and consumers went nuts now this vehicle was the suv <laughs> Ooh. so charlotte's going to talk a little bit about the advantages of suvs and crossovers why they did so well and kind of where they're going to end up being so. yeah so it's no surprise that in north america today when you are watching commercials the super bowl just happened you are seeing trucks you are seeing sport utility vehicles you are not seeing you know the kia forte mm -hmm. on your commercial and that being the big promo mm -hmm. um so yeah why do compact cars actually take a back seat to suvs when it comes to driving and the buying experience so let's talk about north america as a whole like let's understand it is in north america we have many diverse climates and specifically here in canada is we have a little bit more of a consistent climate than that other geographical areas in the u.s but you know we've got snow we've got ice we've got salt everything like that covering our roads for a good chunk of the year yep. um, so a lot of people are gravitating towards suvs because they're predominantly all-wheel drive which, if you haven't listened to our podcast episode on all-wheel drive versus front-wheel drive, what are you doing? Go listen to that. Check it out. <laughs> Unless you're listening to this. Unless you're listening to this, then keep listening. Yeah. Finish <laughs> this one and then go check that out. But having those SUVs and 
and trucks, um, Canadian and North American buyers were really prioritizing the stability and traction offered by the more robust vehicles. Um, and, you know, all, they felt confident driving them too. They had that little uh, mental connection of, of confidence too. Uh, but it's not solely about that and the terrain that you're actually in. It's when it comes to SUVs, they're also more spacious. So if the average American or North American buyer keeps their vehicle for 84 months, does an 84-month finance, a lot can change in your life. Like for me, even just in the past five years, I've gotten married, I've bought a home, I've had a kid, like, and I am driving, still driving an SUV that is equipped and, and fits my lifestyle quite well. It's good for those transient seasons of life. So, I can make of a good contrast to you. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> With your Kia Forte. <laughs> the last five years I've worked, <laughs> I've driven my Kia Forte. <laughs> so there's still some reason for compact cars Absolutely. to exist, okay? I'm one of them. Yes, yeah. Right. <laughs> but continue on. So when it comes to... Uh, still laughing but when it comes to compact cars today the huge advantage of them is they do operate efficiently now with suvs is they still they are most of them are operating on with a four-cylinder engine yes so it's not like it's a v6 like what we were seeing like even in gabby's old magentas which is oh, a compact car yeah had a v6 my first car small car i mean it was i guess big for yeah it was a mid-sized sedan so, but nonetheless, it didn't have the cargo space of an SUV. It had a V6 in it. I was in high school filling up almost every single day because that thing was not fuel efficient at all. So there my mom was. She bought that car and handed it down to me. She's like, oh, it's a car. Fuel efficient. Mm, not so much. A car? No business having a V6. No. And it's not like it gave it power or anything. It just consumed gas. Yeah. It just ran through it. But... That leads to today's vehicles. Mm -hmm. So that was a 2007 Kia Magentis. And at that time, vehicles were starting to be introduced like an SUV with a four-cylinder. Mm -hmm. And that changed everything. People Absolutely. People realizing I could get a smaller engine in a bigger car and the fuel efficiency trade-off isn't that much. Mm -hmm. What am I doing with my compact car? So Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's kind of one of the reasons is why we're not seeing as many compact cars being purchased today. Mm -hmm. And... Also with the alternative fuel movement as well. Yes. Um, so when it comes to SUVs nowadays, if people wanted a commuter vehicle, a compact car for the fuel economy, typically they're looking for something that is more of a one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. So they'll buy an SUV that's either a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, or pure EV, uh, just to kind of get that additional fuel savings but also not compromise and having that extra space, towing capacity, something that can last a little bit longer. Now, once you take a look at those components, though, specifically the electric, hybrid electric, plug-in hybrid, um, they're more expensive. And SUVs, of course, are going to be more expensive as a whole, too. So that is definitely a huge benefit of, of having just a strictly gasoline compact car is they're, they're very affordable. Um, but they also, when it comes to SUVs, is you have a perceived amount of affordability. Yes. And that's usually because of financing is you can get pretty, well, not right now. You used to be able to get better rates. Yes. Um, but you can also finance up to 96 months, which is huge. Yeah. So when you break something like that down into 96 months with biweekly payments, you're really only thinking about that biweekly figure. And you're like, oh, yeah, I can totally afford that. Yeah, that's fine. But it's just perceived. Yes. You know, you're paying interest on top of that, of course, as, you know, people who finance vehicles know. Um, it's not, you know, you're not saving as much as you would with a compact car. And that's not necessarily to disregard the, I guess, point that SUVs aren't worth it or SUVs. Yeah, not at all. Because um, in a way, there was a lot of families that had their commuter cars. So think a small four-cylinder, maybe a sedan, Honda Fit, like, you know what I mean. 
but they would also have their family car because their family and their needs wouldn't necessarily fit in the Honda Fit. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? <laughs> so essentially you'd be having two vehicles or maybe more three if you have mm. multiple drivers in your household when you could really kind of knock it down by one by getting an SUV that was decently fuel efficient and gave you the space and room that you needed, right? Mm -hmm. So it depends on your family and lifestyle for sure. There's still a lot of people that want compact cars. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that now. Um, in today's date, there's not a lot out there. Mm -mm. So for example, like I said, me and, Ke me and Kia, <laughs> me and Charlotte work at a Kia dealership. And in the recent years, we've seen that they've axed the Rio, which is our smallest car. My heart. Yeah. I used to drive a Rio and I absolutely loved that and vehicle it was a really good car and it was not that small by any means everyone knows each year as vehicles get redesigned remodeled they get bigger so mm -hmm. this compact was not that small but in retrospect to like something like a sorrento or sportage it's tiny oh yeah so the rio got axed and the reason for that was it wasn't selling as well as something like the kia forte which is our compact sedan it's now the smallest vehicle in our lineup which is crazy to think because mm -hmm. it's not that small a vehicle I would see as a salesperson, a lot of our customers that were cross-shopping, the two would eventually get the Forte just because the payment wasn't that different and the fuel efficiency trade-off wasn't that different either. Their Rio did a little bit better on the city, but the Forte did a bit better on the highway mm -hmm. just because the engine could handle it a bit better, right? Mm -hmm. You had a 2 liter versus that 1.6 liter. So that spelled the end for the Rio and the Kia world. Other than that, though, a lot of manufacturers have axed out their compact cars. The Honda Fit's been gone. The Yaris has been gone. The Versa. Yeah. A, a lot of cars are gone no. now. Yeah. yeah. The Chevy Spark. Chevy mm -hmm. Spark used to be the cheapest um, new vehicle you could get in North America. And now it's gone. Yeah. So. That's so crazy just to see how many of these beloved vehicles. Like yeah. so many of these were, like I can think of so many people where there was their first vehicle. Yes. And, and now it's all... And CVs. that's a lot of what it is. A lot of people chose those cars because it was their first vehicle. And when they bought it, they were just driving to work. They were running around doing small errands. But now maybe their family is growing. Their needs are changing. Maybe they need a bigger vehicle. They mm -hmm. have kids now. They have pets. They have sports. It doesn't fit their lifestyle anymore. Yeah. And that's a sad, sad reality. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting, though, because like like you're talking about is with the Forte with the redesign is or with the Rio it's it's getting bigger every year too yeah, so even these year. compact cars you know they're starting to become not so compact anymore and it's like well if you're if you're adjusting your whole kind of strategy and design strategy is why not focus more on what people are really buying which is going to be the SUVs absolutely um but let's talk a little bit about what happened in 2020 <laughs> well, I, I, I don't remember yeah, I don't happened. remember anything that was a pretty dull year for me <laughs> so obviously in 2020 we had a huge global shutdown and that really affected automakers when it came to their production and many brands are still suffering from that today mm -hmm. many have recovered specifically in the US and Canada we're still seeing a little bit of slack right now um, even at our own Kia store we're not you know operating as we did in 2019 mm -hmm. um, but parts just weren't available you know, things weren't being manufactured, parts weren't available. So why were manufacturers spending so much time manufacturing these vehicles, these compact cars that people aren't buying when they could be investing those valuable parts and time into the SUVs, which people are buying, but also from the business standpoint is you have greater profit margin in your SUVs. Yes. Now, when I say that, just because you're buying a $40,000 car does not mean that, you know, Gabby and I made a $40,000 sale. Like, yeah, no, not not even not even close not remotely close <laughs> not, not remotely close <laughs> um but 
you know, if I was a business and I'm making product, obviously I'm going to prioritize the product that's, that sells the most and that I'm going to make more off of too. Absolutely. Um, great point. Yeah. Another thing is when they're producing the vehicles, just because a compact car might not come with the same amount of tech that we'll get in something like our fully loaded Kia EV6, mm -hmm. it still takes quite a bit of chips. And there was a major chip shortage. Why are yep. they going to put those essential parts into vehicles that are not selling as much and obviously in turn not making as much as they would to something like the EV6 or any other, for example, a Honda, one of their best sellers. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So it just didn't make sense for manufacturer standpoint, for a salespeople standpoint, nothing. Yeah. It, it was hard. And in true trunk talk fashion, I have a hot take. Oh, tell, tell me more. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared. so scared. <laughs> so I've driven sedans my entire life. I've also, it's just been me my yeah. entire life. And my dog. She's fine in the car. I didn't ask her, but she's, I think she's fine. Nonetheless, <laughs> it works for me and I can see it working for me for a very long time. I do think a lot of consumers today's age think that they need all-wheel drive mm -hmm. when they might not. They think that they need a big vehicle again when they might not. I can't tell you how many times I see people driving three-quarter ton trucks and there's never been a trailer behind it. You know what I mean? There's a couple questionable choices I yeah. think some people do make. And then again, it's your money. Buy whatever you want. Absolutely. But these are just some trends I've definitely noticed. Um, my mom, for example, when me and my brother were kids, she drove a sedan mm -hmm. and we never had an issue with space. It yeah. was always fine. You know what I mean? Yes. So I, I truly believe that some people will have one kid or one pet. Yeah. And like I need a hauler. I need a U-Haul van. <laughs> so I think part of that comes down to, you know, just marketing. And, and like I said, the emotional mm -hmm. connection that comes with buying a car. So I have a kid and I have two dogs uh, and I only have like, I only have one, one kid. And in my head, I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to tell you ride. But that's, <laughs> that is the vehicle for me. And if I have this kid, I am not going to survive unless I have a tell you ride. I do not have a tell you ride. I do have an SUV. And you survive. You're alive. Right? <laughs> and I'm alive. Yeah, just checking. I am alive. <laughs> uh, I do not have a Telluride. I do drive a Sportage. Like, I do drive an SUV. I'm not going to say I don't. My husband, he drives a Forte, a 2014 Forte. Ooh, mm -hmm. such a cool car. <laughs> um, and we can still fit stroller, diaper bag, car seat, everything like that in the back seat with both of us being in there. Mm -hmm. So, and you could fit another car seat in there too. So, you know, you don't necessarily always have to play into the marketing and do it just because everybody else is doing that. And I feel like that's so cliche, but make the decision that is right for you. Like if you um, want, if you are tight on your budget, you can absolutely make things work with a sedan when it comes to space. Uh, like there's roof racks available. You can utilize, you know, vertical space uh, on, you know, everything like that you know, don't kind of give in to the peer pressure. Yeah. And with that being said, there's a reason why the Porsche 911 has a rear seat. It's a family car. Abs it is absolutely a family car. Yep. <laughs> she is a... In today's fun fact of the episode, you know, I like to give a fun fact. Did you know that the Kia Stinger is not only... This checks off a couple boxes for potential buyers. It's not only all-wheel drive, Ooh. but it's also a hatchback. So if you're in the market for a vehicle that sits five, do I need a Kia Stinger? I think you do. And should I trade in oh, my Sportage? Oh, wait. It's too late because it's already been axed. <sighs> womp womp. <laughs> so that too ends little, too late. this episode. Thank you guys again so, so much for watching. This was a fun one. I really mm -hmm. enjoyed filming this today with you, Charlotte. Um, I'm so excited for next week's episode. Again, we want to hear what you guys think. We want to hear what you drive. We want to hear your experiences with it. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please leave a comment down below. If you're watching this on our pod mm -hmm. podcast outlets. 
wherever you get your podcast <laughs> please reach out to us on our social media let us know again yeah what you think and thank you so much for listening for those of you who have because we have a lot of fun doing this can't believe and people actually listen to we this. We can't believe people listen to this. We can't believe that we it's get probably on mute though. Paid Let's be to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you on next week's episode. Take care. Take care. Bye.